And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. Ladies and gentlemen, here we go. Another week, another busy broadcast week. And I can't believe February is almost completely gone. Where does the time go, right? Time flies when you're having fun and all that. We are live from the bunker. My name is Jason Hunt. I'm the editor here at Sci-Fi For Me, where we have on our list of conventions 2,736 listings, conventions and events worldwide. It is the largest, most comprehensive genre event list in the world. I feel pretty confident saying that. Welcome to the program, everybody. We're live from the bunker. Those of you who are with us live, good to see all of you. And if you are not with us live, you can still leave a comment. If you are live, you can jump in the chat on uh, either YouTube, Rumble, or Odyssey. We're all over those three platforms. And if you're in replete replete mode, if you're in repeat mode, Memorex mode, you can still leave a comment. As always, the email address is open for business, live from the bunker at sci-fi4me.com. I'm still waiting for your Hi Todd recordings so that we can say hi, Todd. So everybody say hi, Todd. He's still sitting there waiting. Social media and Discord also places where you can connect with us. And uh, I'll give a shout-out to everybody who is listening to this show as a podcast. So uh, it's uh, it's still, you know, you get it every now and again, tune in to the live broadcast because you never know what's going to happen. Live streams can be a little unpredictable. And I got to say, I got a beef with Rumble. Rumble takes forever for the signal to connect. <clears throat> so uh, my apologies for the delay, because when I start, I hit start. You know, the way this works, I hit one button, and they're all synchronized. So I hit one button, and the stream starts going out, and it lands at YouTube, it lands at Odyssey, it lands at Rumble. Well, each one of those platforms takes however much time to do the handshakes and the whatnot to actually connect to the signal and start broadcasting it out. Odyssey takes forever to set it up. Rumble takes forever to actually go live. So each each one of these has its own personal specific idiosyncrasies and it's annoying as all get out I'll tell you all right Okay so uh, <coughs> uh headlines today no guest today it's going to be a short show uh ish we'll probably go about an hour 
and uh, just go over a few things uh, today. Tomorrow, David Levine will be back uh, his second time on the program. On Wednesday, Harry Turtledove will be here. On Thursday, Christopher Rocchio will be here. And then on Friday, I'm trying to put together a panel to talk about the latest Hugo Awards debacle. If you want to go over to SciFiForMe.com, I just posted an article this morning that's kind of a, 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 re, a, a recap of everything that's happened with regard to China. Uh, the the Chengdu-China Worldcon, 2023 Worldcon that was back in October, continues to be a source of amusement for some, consternation for others. Uh, it turns out that the Hugo Awards are rife with controversy again. This time... <laughs> this time, it's because the Hugo Administrator Committee, the people who actually run the Hugo Awards for the World Science Fiction Society, took it upon themselves, at least it, what it looks like now, took it upon themselves to censor the nominees in an attempt to be sensitive to their host, the, Communist China, the Chinese Communist Party. <laughs> we need to be careful about anything that mentions Taiwan or Tibet or critical China and make sure. And, oh, there's all sorts of fallout on this. And the irony is that they don't see, and I've, I've seen comments uh, from several people, they don't see that what's been done this year to them is essentially almost exactly what they did to a certain select group back in 2015. <clears throat> but anyway, the the article that I posted is it uh, it collects information from a number of different sources, and I hate to say I have I have to cite file 770 because. Uh, uh, Chris, Chris, um, Chris Weathers, I think is his name, and Jason Sanford, uh, had a very, very comprehensive article on it. And as much as I detest citing File 770 for any of this, that's where the bulk of the information is, including emails that have leaked that give us. Some more information. People have resigned over this. And it was funny, too, because I saw, okay, um, Matuin says, uh, watch Madam Web and survived. It was just okay, 5 out of 10. I'll right, get to Madam Web in just a second. What's funny about this is I'm, I'm watching, every now and again I see mentions of what's going on with the Hugos on social media. And suddenly I start seeing traffic on some of our Worldcon live streams that we did back in 2016 when Worldcon was here in Kansas City. So far, we continue to be the only website, the only video channel that has ever 
done live stream coverage from a Worldcon. The way we did. So, some of the stuff that we've done has started to get some more traffic and has generated a few comments, and specifically our interview with David McCarty, who is implicated in this self-censorship scandal this year in, in the 2023 Hugos. He has since resigned. So, yeah, go, go check that out. I did almost 2,500 words for you. But yeah, I'm going to try to I'm trying to put together a panel discussion for Friday to talk about the Hugo, the latest Hugo debacle. Is there any other kind really? <coughs> so there is that. All right, let's let's get to some headlines. Madam Webb is uh not doing too well. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, it looks like right now, Madam Web Worldwide is sitting at $51 million, which is interesting to note the chart over on thenumbers.com. Because, okay, so let me, let me explain how this chart works. You have this... Solid gold line, which tracks the actual bo reported box office numbers. And then you have this little shaded area here that is the projection. So as, as, as this number, as this line continues to get filled in because each day numbers are tracked, what this does, they're able to project... Based on what we know, they're able to project box office revenues, what they think is going to happen. And that's what this shaded area here is, this little range of where it could land next. And interestingly enough, between February 18th and February 19th, it's going well above... The, the projection is right now sitting at, uh, globally, $51.9 million worldwide. Domestic box office is 26.2. International box office, 25.7. And I believe the budget on this was uh, $80 million? Yeah, production budget, $80 million. So, it actually, <laughs> it actually could, could break even. Maybe even go into the black? I don't know. I don't know. But funnily enough, I, I saw a headline, I know, I know Yellow Flash did something on this. Um... The, the audience for Madam Web apparently is not who they were expecting. Because apparently this thing is this thing is a women's empowerment thing, right? 
and that's not the people who are showing up. It's interesting to see uh, how how this is how this is going. So here's the story in Cosmic Book News. I don't I don't see a source from this afterwards. Matt McGloin uh, writing in this. Headline, dads and 12-year-old boys love Madam Web as box office bombs. But as we just saw with the numbers, is it? Is it a box office bomb if it's already if it's already over half its production budget? And granted, you've got the production budget on top, you've got marketing and advertising and, and all of that on top of that. So figure 160, 175, 180 million. <clears throat> so it's got to make, it's not going to make a profit. It might make its money back, at least on the production side of things. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to probably make its production budget back. I don't know if it's going to actually make any money. But apparently it's got an audience. And they are still contemplating a sequel. So, you know, despite the fact that Dakota Johnson hasn't even seen her own movie yet. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. This is, okay, Matt McGlowan, uh, February 16th. This is Friday. Just like the Rotten Tomato score, as expected, Madam Web is bombing big time at the box office. The good news, hey, dads and 12-year-old boys love the film. Madam Web opened Wednesday on Valentine's Day, brought in six million. It's reported on Thursday the flick brought in two to do to do. Okay, so we're past those numbers. It's it's performing better than uh, that. Various estimates are now offering Madam Web will have a twenty million dollar opening at the box office for six days, not three days. So still not very good. Uh, six six day box office is twenty five point eight. So we get through the updates here. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes scores not doing all that great. Of course, all of the Instagram, the red, red carpet stuff. <coughs> Deadline offers insights into the audience who showed up in theaters. Two stars on post track so far for 58% from general audiences. 53% guys attending versus 47% women. However, it said Sony went after young women with Madam Web with 75% of its $60 million global PNA allocated towards. They only spent $60 million on advertising? Interesting. Parents and kids under 12 saw a movie. They both gave it four and a half stars. Dads, mostly dads at 62%. So, dads and kids. I mean,. Look, Sidney Sweeney is in this. <clears throat> Sidney Sweeney has a has a an, an impressive figure, which apparently is hidden throughout most of the movie. I mean, if you're going to see Sidney Sweeney's various assets, you're not going to see that. And if you're going to see a satisfying story where, you know, the hero beats the villain, it doesn't sound like that's going to do it either. Um, but, uh, yeah, Andy Phantom makes a good, uh, makes a good point here. I think Pepsi put a lot of money into it too. They did. There, there's, there's lots of product placement in this, uh, from what I hear. By the way, Indie Phantom, that's a new, uh, that's a new name that I'm seeing in the chat, which means I get to do this. Just cause. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to start doing that. <clears throat> 
I see Death Angel Shadow showing in. I see Cam. Let's see. Yeah, let's hide everybody. Keeley's here. Dave's here. Matoween's here. Weatherman's here. Uh, who else did I see? I saw Mrs. Boss in the chat. Who else? Is that everybody? Is that everybody? That's everybody so far. <coughs> There's Jay. So the, the Pepsi money might be offsetting some of this, but if that's the case, they only spent $60 million on, on P&A, and you've got $80 million on the production. That's 140 and depending on how much they got from product placement money, this, actu oh, this, actually, this actually could be, it could break even. Isn't that scary? Meanwhile, the other spider project is getting a little bit of a revamp. Uh, let me, let's let's say a lot. This is the Ankler reporting here. Silk Spider Society writers room scrapped by Amazon. Now this is the this is a TV series that uh, connects in. I think somebody uh, is is looking to this as part of a franchise. <coughs> this is Elaine Lau over on uh, the Ankler, the hotly anticipated Silk. Let me hang on. Continue reading. The hotly anticipated Silk Spider Society. I don't know who's hotly anticipating it. I haven't heard anybody talking about this. Has let go of its entire writer's room, minus its showrunner and one of the co-executive producers, as the show gets a developmental overhaul, a source close to the show tells the Ankler. Deadline had previously reported that the Silk writer's room was set to reconvene in mid to late January. The series was the first of several live-action Marvel-Sony co-productions, so this is part of the Sony Spider-Universe, to get the green light from Amazon. Also in the works is Spider-Man Noir, where I'm told Nicolas Cage is in serious talks to take on the lead role in the series, which will be set in 1930s New York City. Sony declined to comment. Source close to the studio says that Angela Kang, who has a multi-year overall deal with Amazon, will continue to act as showrunner for the series that centers on Korean-American heroine Cindy Moon, who, according to reports of the logline, is bitten by the same spider that bit Peter Parker and goes searching for her missing family. The series is also produced by Spider-Man Into the, Into the Spider-Verse duo Phil Lord, Christopher Miller, with Kai Wu and Jim Barnes co-executive producing. One source close to the series claims that Silk was being refocused with a more male-skewing audience in mind. Amazon had no comment. <laughs> okay, now listen. All right. Remember what I said. Remember what I said about course corrections. Remember when I said things feel like maybe it's swinging back to center? That we're starting to heal a little bit? 
It's too soon to tell. I, it, it is absolutely too soon to tell. But somebody over at Marvel is looking at all of this stuff and saying, hang on. We need to do things different here. Daredevil. Scrapped and revamped. What? They've they they've shot a third of it, a half of it, and they're and going back and redoing it. They're reshooting probably all of Captain America Falcon Captain Falcon. Brave New World Order World Economic Forum. I mean they're going May to August in reshoots, quote unquote, so called. Now, I said, <coughs> I said that X-Men 97, the animated show, is going to give us our first indication as far as the stuff that's going on this year. We got Deadpool 3. Rob Liefeld says that Deadpool is going to save the MCU. Neon over at Clownfish TV had, some, had a couple of points over the weekend. I think they're good points. And, and one of them is the corollary on something that we had talked about last week. The showrunner, Bo DeMaio. It has been pointed out, and they talked about it over on Midnight's Edge. They've mentioned it in a couple of, there's been discussion on it a couple of other places. That, that, that Bo DeMaio, who's the showrunner, head writer... Executive producer. He's the boss. He did a panel at one point. I don't remember where it was. And he mentioned that early discussions between him and Kevin Feige and other Marvel executives when he was talking about the project, when he was pitching the project, when it was first discussed, that they were interested in his experience, his life experience growing up as a gay black man. And people latched on to this. And I remember when people latched on to this. But I also remember afterwards the context of those remarks had been missing. The context was basically, yeah, we talked about that. And this is, remember, the X-Men has always been a metaphor for the other, not any particular particular other not transgender people not not black people not you know lgbtq non-binary or whatever other just generic other anybody who has feel who has felt left out who has felt oddball and were treated badly because of it <coughs> so DeMaio has made the point that even though they had that discussion, that's not the focus of the show. And Neon also pointed out and reminded us, and I had forgotten about this, but you remember we were talking about uh, DeMaio wanted all of his writers to be fans of the original show. The corollary for that is, we have to remember, Bo DeMaio was a writer on The Witcher. And he said, and, and 
complained. One of his gripes was the fact that the writer's room on The Witcher didn't know the source material, didn't care about the source material, and kept trying to change a bunch of stuff. And it frustrated him. So, I'm still in the wait-and-see mode. I know we've been burned a lot. There have been a lot of bait-and-switches. But, I'm going to stay in wait-and-see mode. Because if this is true, if, if they're sitting there going, everything has to be redone. Everything has to be fixed. We've got to change it all because our focus needs to be this other thing. I mean, if Silk is the latest example of this, if you have a lead, a female lead character who's a superhero, remember, superhero comics, superhero stories generally skew male demographic in the audience. Yes, women like superheroes. Yes, women like Star Wars. Yes, women like Star Trek. Always have. Women have always been part of the of the science fiction, fantasy, and horror audience. Always. Nobody has ever made the claim otherwise. Now, in some particular instances, there haven't been as many as there are men, and there still aren't. But... On balance, there are quite a few women who are in the audience and always have been. So, Weatherman says, I'm still recovering from the burn ward. Aislinn makes a good point. It must be an entertainment produ- product first. If that's missing, you will not succeed. Yes. And, and, and there's a clip running around... Um, Stan Lee basically saying, you know, don't put your politics front and center in this thing. Otherwise, you lose your audience. <coughs> Don Don Ranger Power in the chat says, even John Campia hates Madam Webb. This movie's thinking sucks. Well, Campia's going to be Campia. Campia's going to do what he's told to do, I think. But I think it's interesting that this... Uh, that the Sony Marvel stuff is uh, is changing. Tell them about Dune. Yes, Mrs. Boss and I went and saw the David Lynch Dune in the theaters yesterday. We have a press screening for Dune Part 2 tomorrow night, so we're going to watch Part 1 tonight just to refresh. Uh, it was Mrs. Boss's first time experiencing the David Lynch Dune. I haven't seen it in forever. And I, I, I don't, I don't know that I can say this very loudly. It hasn't aged well. I know it's a cult classic. It's a cult fan, uh, a, a cult favorite. Um, but. It is it is most definitely a product of its time. I had forgotten 
uh, I had forgotten that that Sean Young played Shawnee. I had forgot about that. I had also forgotten that that was Alicia Witt's first on-screen appearance. Uh, and she posted about that on Instagram over the weekend. That uh, it was her first acting job. She was ten years old, playing playing Paul's little sister. And um, just just as an aside, it does appear that Anya Taylor Joy is playing. I don't know. See, I don't know. They haven't announced it yet. She's in the movie. She's in part two. She showed up at the screening at the premiere in London. Um, but she's likely playing a character that's older than she was in the Lynch movie. I'll say it that way. And I have not caught up on all of the Dune books, but yeah. Uh, Death Angel Shadows this kind of fits in with Flash Gordon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of. Yeah, although I think Flash Gordon holds up a lot better than David Lynch's Dune, honestly. Um, it's, eh, you know, it is it is what it is. Yes, Kyle MacLachlan's first, uh, first feature film role. And I still maintain that MacLachlan could have played Mr. Fantastic, Reed Richards. <coughs> All right, let's do a real quick uh, head count on the awards. We've got a full. We've got winners list. We've got the Baftas that happened this weekend. We had the People's Choice Awards that happened this weekend. We had the Annie Awards, the Animation Awards. Let's start there. Hollywood Reporter headline: Annie Awards. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse leads with seven wins, including Best Feature. So congratulations to them. Hillary Lewis writing here on the seventeenth. Uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse was the big winner at the 2024 Annie Awards. The Sony Pictures Animation Film won seven awards at Saturday night's Annie's, including the top prize of Best Feature. Other features that won multiple awards from the International Animation Animated Film Society, uh, ASIFA Hollywood, which presents the prizes recognizing the year's best in animation, include two-time winners Nimona and The Boy and the Heron, uh, so let's see here. This is the winners list? Best feature: uh, Nimona, Spider-Man. Okay, so Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse wins for best feature. Uh, Robot Dreams wins for best independent feature. Let's see. Uh, best short subject: War is Over, inspired by the music of John and Yoko. Uh, video games by Tenacious D wins best sponsored. Uh, let's see here. Best TV Media for Children, Hilda. Best TV Media, Mature, Blue-Eyed Samurai, The Pilot. Limited Series, Kazazi Moto, Generation Fire wins. Uh, let's see here. Best FX for TV and Media, Blue-Eyed Samurai. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, best, best effects for a feature. Blue Eyes Samurai, Best Character Animation, uh, Best Character Animation for Feature of the Boy and the Heron, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, Best Character Animation for Live Action, uh, Marvel Spider-Man 2, Best Character Animation for Video Games. So our, 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 our genre 
won quite a bit. Uh, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur wins for Best Character Design in TV Media. Has anybody watched Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur? It's a Marvel thing. Has anybody ever watched this? I think Samuel L. Jackson's in it or Lawrence Fishburne or maybe both of them. I don't know. Andy Phantom says Robot Dreams was excellent. I I haven't seen it. Then we have the People's Choice Awards. Lexi Perez, writing Hollywood Reporter, uh, handed out Sunday night. Simu Liu, who is a nominee for his performance as one of the Kens in Barbie, hosted this year's People's Choice Awards. Among the big winners of the night, Greta Gerwig's Barbie, which won for both Movie of the Year and Comedy Movie of the Year. How do you do that? Can it, can it be one or the other? I mean, come on. Uh, among, uh, let's see. Grey's Anatomy, let's go through. The one that's getting the most traction and discussion about this is the fact that Rachel Zegler has won an award for Best best Action Movie Star of the Year. Rachel Zegler in The Hunger Games, Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. So Rachel Zegler beats Tom Cruise in the category of action movie star of the year. Now look at look at all of the look at all of the nominees in this particular category here. You have Brie Larson nominated for the Marvels. You have Chris Pratt in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, Gal Gadot in Heart of Stone, Jason Momoa, Aquaman of the Lost Kingdom, Keanu Reeves in John Wick Chapter 4, Rachel Zegler, Tom Cruise for Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning, and Viola Davis for The Hunger Games Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Rachel Zegler beats all of them. How? How? To quote the philosopher, that's weird, weird. Jennifer Lawrence wins uh, the very first award ever, uh, Comedy Movie Star of the Year, No Hard Feelings. Jenna Ortega wins for Scream. America Ferreira for uh, Barbie, perform- Movie Performance of the Year. So, yeah, but yeah, that's the one that's getting the most uh, tongue-wagging is Rachel Zegler winning for Action Star of the Year. Um, uh, okay, whatever, if you really think that. And then we had the BAFTAs. This is the British Awards. Uh, there, hey, there's, hey, I'm going to get to do it again. Look at that, I'm going to get to do it again. Barbecue Dion Boley. There's a new, a new name in the chat. Yay! Welcome, welcome. Oh, I can do... Oh, it's got both. No, wait, I, I don't have to do it twice. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, action star of the year, maybe for running her mouth. Yes, it is weird. I don't. That's a good point, Death Angels. They must, they must be trying to resurrect her career. I, you know, maybe. Love to be called bar. All right, barbecue. Got it. <clears throat> Welcome to the audience. Glad to have you in the crowd. Hope you stick around. All right, so the BAFTA Awards. This is the British... 
what's it called? British. It's British. British Film Television Awards here. Whatever. All right. So best film Oppenheimer. Uh, best director Christopher Nolan. Uh, let's see. Robert Downey Jr. wins for supporting actor for Oppenheimer. Emma Stone wins for Poor Things. Killian Murphy for Oppenheimer. Uh, Rising Star Award, Mia McKenna-Bruce. I don't know what she's been in. And let's see. Uh, American Fiction wins for Adapted Screenplay. Let's see. Boy and the Heron, animated film. So there's another win for Boy and the Heron. Let's see here. Um, outstanding debut by a British writer, director, producer, Earth Mama. Never heard of it. Um, Oppenheimer wins for cinematography as well and editing poor things for costume design and makeup and hair Oppenheimer uh, congratulations to Ludwig Göransson for Oppenheimer original score poor things wins production design uh, special visual effects poor things so I mean again Genre. What's what's interesting to me? <clears throat> what's interesting to me is that. Okay, sorry about that. I I I. <clears throat> to where it goes? Where were we? Where were we? Just in time. <laughs> yeah, we'll fix it in post. Those those of you who are listening to this as a podcast, uh, there were there are there are going to be some technical things. Uh, <laughs> this is I. <clears throat> well, I know we were on the award show. I think I I think I got everything done. So that was that was the Baftas, the Annies, and the um, and the uh, People's Choice, but. <sighs> For Rachel Zegler to win Action Star of the Year just boggles my mind. It really does. But you know what? Congratulations to all the winners. Yeah? <laughs> just, oh, yike, you All right. <coughs> Here's what I'm going to do. We're going to take a very, very, very quick break. I know I said we're going to do a short show. We are going to do a short show. Um, should I go ahead and just lean into this? Let me, let me do this because I want to do, uh, I want to put a break in here for Google to, uh, to interrupt us because Google has been, Google has been throwing a lot of ads into our streams, at least on the back end. And I'm having to go back in and delete, 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 delete. There's this like... Eight or nine commercial breaks, ad breaks that they're putting into our videos after we're done with the stream, it processes, and then they drop all these things in. I'm like, no, 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 no. I will tell you where it goes. I even have that button checked. I will I will manually select where the ads go, and YouTube still continues to put them in there. So <clears throat> I'm going to do this and um, tell Google where to put it. We'll be right back. Speaking our minds, because Cthulhu told us to. This is Sci-Fi For Me Radio. 
Hi, everyone. Jason Hunt here taking a moment to say thank you for listening to this program on the podcast player of your choice and to invite you to watch the show as it unfolds live on our various video platforms. Not only will you get to see the visual references we have, but you also have a chance to interact with us through the chat widget and during the open line hour when you can call in and be part of the show. Join us live from the bunker Monday through Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern U.S. only on Sci-Fi for Me TV. Back live from the bunker, ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Oh, wow. Now I'm just posting in the red. How am I doing that? That's really, that's really hot. I didn't change a thing. It's not one thing, it's another around here. The Stone Mountain Weasels are in the studio, ladies and gentlemen. But that's okay. We'll, we'll, we will adapt. All right, so let's get to the crux of this one uh, topic that we were going to get to today. Uh, I took a little bit longer than I thought I would on the other stuff, but this is uh, this is the interesting piece. <coughs> and yes, Jay, uh, adding a like will help. If any of you decide, wait a minute, no, I don't want to hit that button. I want to hit that button. Yes. Don't do that to me, Google. So here we go. This is our this is our topic. George Santos slaps Jimmy Kimmel and Disney with irony-free fraud suit over cameo pranks and deliberate deception. Now I'm going with Deadline because Deadline is in the entertainment news. They're the trades. But this uh, this article, this news, is in a lot of different media outlets. Uh, including, you know, Washington Post and Boston Boston Globe and L.A. Times and, and that sort of thing. So I'm just doing a deadline because this is where I saw it first. I have no particular affinity for deadline, especially given that, you know, deadline is just, you know, part of the entertainment complex, the entertainment propaganda complex. This is Dominic Patton writing on the 17th of February. George Santos seems to have never met a camera or misrepresentation he didn't like, except when it comes to Jimmy Kimmel. Lacking all sense of irony, the expelled GOP ex-congressman from New York today said, so I'm not going to go through all this. Basically, uh, uh, George Santos, former, former U.S. representative, has levied a a lawsuit against the Walt Disney Company, ABC, and Jimmy Kimmel for basically what they've done. Jimmy Kimmel <coughs> paid for George. So George Santos is on Cameo. For those of you who don't know what Cameo is, Cameo is a website, and this this really got a lot of traction during the the pandemic house arrest era where you could pay money and have celebrities record various different personal messages. 
happy birthday, happy anniversary, congratulations on your promotions, congratulations on your retirement, you know, that, that sort of thing, personal messages. And that's the key. You pay 50 bucks, you could get Tara Strong to say, hi, Puddin', happy birthday in, in a Harley Quinn voice. I think the guys over at uh, uh, Salty Nerd Podcast uh, got, got uh, 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 Kevin Conroy to do something. <clears throat> the thing is, this is for personal use only. And the cameo terms and conditions, terms of service are very specific that this is for personal use only. If you're going to do something with a professional application, then it's a different thing. It's a different category and it's a different fee. I actually looked into this myself because I thought, well, sure, why not get Tara Strong or Kevin Conroy or whoever else to sit there and go, you're watching Sci-Fi for Me TV. But to do that, it would have cost probably a good five or six times as much. So instead of $50, you're paying $250 or $300 or $500. I was like, no, not going to do that. But I'm also not going to sit there and, and, and misrepresent what kind of thing that I want recorded. So if I'm going to do something that's got, you know, happy anniversary pudding with, with Tara, that's a personal thing. And it's not for professional use. And what Jimmy Kimmel has done, allegedly, <clears throat> well, he's done it. I mean, it was on his show. He basically made up a bunch of different fake accounts and did the and and went to cameo and had George Santos, you know, submitted all of these things for George Santos to record and paid the fee for a personal use recording featuring George Santos. And then he turned around and used it on his show in order to make fun of George Santos. Now Santos is not the only person doing the cameos. Everybody's doing cameos. So Santos is now suing Kimmel and ABC and Disney for, for basically copyright infringement and fraud because uh, it's, it's a misrepresentation of what Kimmel wanted and also it's a violation of the terms of service for, for, uh, for Cameo. And in the, in the complaint, at the heart of this dispute lies the deliberate deception and wrongful appropriation of the plaintiff's digital content by the defendants orchestrated through the platform Cameo.com where celebrities and public figures are meant to connect with their fans through personalized video messages. Defendants openly admitted to deceiving the plaintiff under the guise of fandom soliciting personalized videos only to then broadcast these on national television and across social media channels for commercial gain, actions that starkly violate the original agreement and constitute clear copyright infringement. So Santos and his attorneys are talking about this. You know, basically the terms of service for Cameo don't allow for this kind of thing to happen. Not for national TV broadcast like this. So, <clears throat> yeah, Santos is a public figure, but this particular arrangement through Cameo is very specific on the terms of service. 
And Santos is looking for at least $750,000 from Kimmel and Disney. Um, so they also want uh, a preliminary and permanent injunction uh, to stop those videos from being broadcast, posted, seen, or seemingly even spoke of. They want actual damages, punitive damages, and disgorgement of defendants' products to be uh, profits to be determined at trial plus interest. Uh, so, so representatives for Disney and Kimmel have have no comment, of course. Under the pseudonym of Chris Cates, Kimmel on December six paid Santos four hundred dollars to congra- congratulate a fake friend for winning the Clearwater, Florida Beef Eating Contest the same day under the name Jane. Kimmel paid Santos to praise his fake mom for successfully cloning her beloved schnauzer, Adolf. December 7th, going uh, going by Uncle Joe, Kimmel paid Santos to praise his fake blind niece for passing his dri- her driving test. So all of these all of these things, you know, Kimmel says, I couldn't resist. He said this on his show December 7th. Uh, I sent George through Cameo a number of different ridiculous requests. I'll be parceling these out over the next week. I didn't say these were for me. I just wrote them and sent to find out, will Santos say it? So, you know, I mean, sure, you're going to pay somebody to record something. It's innocuous. Yeah, fine. It's the use of such recordings is where the sticky wicket is because Santos is saying this is a violation of the agreement. And I think he's got a case. Because, it, you know, whatever you may think about George Santos, and a lot of people have opinions about George Santos. A lot of people on both sides of the aisle have opinions about George Santos. That's not at issue. What's at issue is the fiduciary financial relationship transaction that's part of the cameo thing and how the thing is used. They cannot be used for commercial applications, for commercial gain. If you want to do that, it's a different license. It's a different thing. It's like with my music license. You know, I pay a fee every year to be able to use this music in my productions as a media person, as a as a broadcaster, as a podcast producer, as a show host, as a commercial producer, I make TV commercials, I make web videos, I gotta have music. So I pay a fee, a a a license fee to use the music that's in a library, and I can download however many pieces I need. And I can use them. And as long as I continue to pay for the license, then I can keep using all of this music that I got. So so that's a different kind of license, a different kind of permission, because it includes a commercial application. I get paid to make TV commercials. I get, I don't get paid to do this unless you throw super chats at me or anything. I mean, we get to Google ads and whatnot. But in a professional setting, I get to use all of this music because I pay for it. And I pay a hefty sum for it, too. But it's a business expense. And 
the music that I use, I have permission to use it in a commercial setting. So if I were to if I were to pay George Santos to record something, I would not be able to use it in any of the uh, in any of the professional productions that I do. Even here, I mean, since I'm since I'm not making any money, it, there's might be a little bit of a fudge factor there, but even in, but in my head, this this channel is a business. This is a commercial application, and so if I were to if I were to do something like that, I would be I would expect to have to pay the higher fees for commercial business use, not just personal use. Personal use, I just email you. You know, Shannon Doherty saying happy birthday, whatever. But if I were to sit there and pay for George Went, John Ratzenberger, Ted Danson, Whoopi Goldberg, Goldie Hawn, Kurt Russell, each of them, you know, uh, 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 David Hasselhoff, if I were to pay for each one of them to sit there and say, hi, Todd, then I would have to pay the professional level fee because that's how it works Yul Carter says plenty of mobile games use cameo content for commercials well and and I'm not saying that you can't use it and yes Cam half the time we get dinged on the music anyway because there's this stupid little company ad rev on behalf of a third party oh it'll get me started on them and Yule's right. There are pl- there are games that you can use cameo content for commercial use, but it's a separate license. It's a separate. It's a different fee structure to do all of that. And it has you have to be upfront in this is how I'm going to use it when you when you submit the thing to record. You've got to sit there and go, this is going to be for a TV commercial. This is going to be for a video game, as opposed to a personal message, which doesn't cost as much. Because the expectation is that you're not going to turn around and try to make money off of whatever it is that somebody recorded. So, there's that. Cam says YouTube is to blame for all of this. The guilty accusation policy with w- yes, I think I think WDW Pro got shafted. Um, I I don't know what exactly set off somebody, but somebody got ticked. I I have no doubt, and I haven't really looked into it all that much. I've seen some discussion about it online. I have no doubt that somebody has has false flagged him. Because uh, more than likely, it's because of the Disney stuff. And I'm going to say right now, I hope, I really hope that it wasn't somebody in Cameron Posh's camp. Don't be doing that. And I'm not saying it was. I think it's a, I think it's a Disney thing. I think the the Gina Carano stuff and all of this other all of these other lawsuits and all this other coverage of the of the of the situation at Disney has marked a lot of channels. I think that uh, we're going to see a number of channels get dinged. Pro is just one of the more prominent ones, so they take, take him out first. 
I would expect Nerd Roddick to get targeted, Geeks and Gamers to get targeted, Drunk 3PO get targeted. I don't know if we'll be on the radar because we're not that big. Um, Lorena, Culture. I mean, there's there's all sorts of channels that are out there. Uh, Neon and Geeky over there at Clownfish. Dave Cullen, maybe. Who knows? You know, Critical Drinker. There are a lot of them that are probably on the list. And yeah, Clownfish, Clownfish has gone through this a few times. Yeah, Neon and Geeky have been been through this a, a couple of two, three times. We ha- we haven't really we haven't been dinged. Now I did get a thing when we did the montage of We're Back when we did that you know We're Back montage. Uh, we got <clears throat> we got a copyright claim on the clip from Spider Man when he's jumping across the roofs and says, I'm back I'm back and then he falls down on the in the in the alley. We got dinged on that. And, okay, I mean, it just means we can't, it means we can't monetize a particular video. And I get it. I figured we were going to get something on that. But for the most part, most part, for the most part, knock on wood, we have uh, managed to avoid too much controversy. Just because. Now, this this Hugo Award flap might put us back on the radar a little bit. I don't think we're going to break the internet the way we did after we interviewed Ernie Gygax. But we might. I, I put this article up this morning um, before we went on the air. The Hugo Award controversy. So go check that out. Uh, <coughs> it is at scififorme.com. It's the lead story right now. And it basically goes through a lot of from a lot of different sources on what happened, going all the way back to sad puppies and forward, because you need some context in order to appreciate the irony of what's going on in the aftermath of Worldcon in China <clears throat> in communist. China. So there is there is that. Uh, one quick last thing. We've got uh, a couple of Superman notes. Here is here is something. Comic Book Movie was reporting a potential sequel to Superman Returns starring Brandon Routh and apparently this is this was February 18th reporting here. Mark Cassidy in the article saying that Mark Guggenheim, who was an Arrowverse executive producer, says at one point they had an idea around a Superman Returns sequel of Brandon Routh. Uh, it says here uh, he, he spoke to Routh about a potential follow-up to Crisis on Infinite Earths. And we had, we had that big crossover on the CW, Arrowverse stuff. We had the Crisis on Infinite Earths, and Brandon Routh showed up as a version of Kingdom Come Superman. Thanks for being here, Kaylee. Good to see you. And Guggenheim said that he and Brandon Routh had had conversations about a sequel using that version of Superman as a series for a series. 
I don't think it's ever going to take place. I don't think it's ever going to happen. Um, but this was kind of cool to see Brandon Routh doing doing the Chris Reeve uh, flyover uh, in in the suit. I mean, it, it kind of was. But I don't think we're going to get it because we're going to not get very much from the CW at all because Superman and Lois has been canceled. Now, this uh, over at The Wrap, this article is talking about the new plan for the CW. Now, for those of you who don't know, the CW got bought by uh, by um, Nexstar Media Group. And everything is changing over there. They are leaning into reality stuff and sports and all of this. Which means the demographic is shifting. The CW, when it started out, and I worked for a CW affiliate, the CW, when it started out, was going to be targeted toward 20-something female audience. <clears throat> Dawson's Creek type audience, right? And what they found out, <clears throat> what they discovered as this channel was continuing, because you had the WB and you had UPN, and both of those merged into the CW. And it's co-owned by CBS and Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers had the the WB, and CBS had the UPN, the Paramount Channel. And so they co-own this thing. So now Nexstar owns a, a majority of it. Warner Brothers and, and CBS still own a piece, but not a controlling piece. But as they're going through as the new CW, the demographics, all of the, the market research, revealed something rather surprising. Not only were they getting that 20-something female crowd... But they were also getting the 50-something female crowd because stuff like Dawson's Creek, um, what's the Gilmore Girls, those kind of shows were attracting not only the young women but also the young women and their mothers. They were watching it together or they were watching it and then they were talking about it and that kind of thing, you know, a gossip girl and whatnot. And so a lot of these programs skewed toward a female audience, and they realized, well, we need, to, we need the guys. I mean, you had Supernatural forever, and Supernatural was bringing in both men and women. But the reason there was the Arrowverse, the reason they started bringing in superhero shows, was to balance out and bring in a male demographic in addition to the female demographic. <clears throat> well, now... Next, next star owns it, and they're they're looking at a completely different demographic based on their data. Is hardly any in their twenties and thirties are watching. They're they're skewing more now older in the fifties. So, programming for the CW is changing quite a bit, and they're going linear which means you know you watch the channel and you'll watch it when they broadcast the show and 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 the video on demand stuff is just going to be ancillary <clears throat> but in this article in the wrap that talks about their new plan down toward the bottom they're talking about how the new CW is going to be done but 
here is one little item about Superman and Lois because it's been canceled after its fourth season. Uh, uh, the president of the network says that despite how well Superman and Lois has performed, the decision to end the DC property came from Warner Brothers. Uh, this is, uh, see, what's his name? Schwartz. May the Schwartz be with you. His name is... Uh, Brad Schwartz, president of entertainment. That's why I get my citation right. He says, uh, they don't want a competing Superman product in the marketplace, Schwartz said, referring to James Gunn's 2025 movie Superman Legacy. So Warner Brothers Discovery has told the CW, which is partially still owned by Warner Brothers, to cancel Superman and Lois because they don't want it competing with Superman Legacy. Now, on the one hand, I can see, because this is typical and this is what they've done before. The reason we got Smallville, for example, is because Warner Brothers would not let the CW develop a young Bruce Wayne show. The original idea was Bruce Wayne learning all of the stuff that he's learning in order to become Batman. But Warner Brothers wouldn't give wouldn't give uh, Miller and Guff and, and that group the license for Bruce Wayne because Bruce Wayne Batman was on the films they were on the movies you had Batman and Batman Returns Batman Beyond Dark Knight whichever ones that were on there. <clears throat> so instead they got Clark Kent and Smallville. Without the suit, they never they 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 were basically told you can't use the suit. He's not Superman. So it was a licensing thing. So we get ten years of Smallville because we couldn't get Young Batman. This is kind of the same thing. Feels like we want to make sure that all of the focus is on the new continuity of the DC Cinematic Universe, DC Films, whatever they're going to call it. The DC Universe, I think, is what they're calling it. Which, on the one hand, it makes sense. You don't want to take away from the big splash that you're going to make with this brand new Superman in the movies and, and look at what we've got. On the other hand, <clears throat> on the other hand, you do have two Batmans that are going to be part of this thing. You have Batman and Robin, Brave and the Bold, whatever that movie is going to be, in the main DC Universe story continuity. And that Batman hasn't been cast yet. And then you have the Batman series of films from Matt Reeves, which is going to include the Penguin TV show with Colin Farrell, and that continuity is being considered an Elseworlds continuity. And then you have the Joker stories, which are an Elseworlds continuity. So the idea of Elseworlds stories taking place is still there. 
and is still part of whatever DC's plan is going to be. So there's no real reason for them to sit there and say Superman and Lois is going to compete with Legacy. They could just sit there and say Superman and Lois is an Elseworlds thing. But it's not it's not part of this new continuity. And who knows? Maybe it's maybe it's a combination of factors. Maybe they they can see the writing on the wall that the CW is not going for that particular audience anymore. But, I don't know, 54-year-old males are going to watch Superman. Betsy Tulloch is a pretty decent Lois Lane. I know Script Doctor said it wasn't all that great. And the first, first couple of seasons, I thought were fine. I actually enjoy Tyler Hecklin as a Superman. He's, he's, he's pretty good. We'll see. I don't know. Don Don Ranger Power says, On the one hand, I like the trailer for Disney's X-Men 97. On the other hand, I'm more hyped about Bokwaj uh, Sentai Boombonger. I don't know that one. Speaking of CW, I'm hyped about the final season of Superman and Lois. I mean, a lot of people like the show. I thought it was fine. I enjoyed it. I haven't seen the last couple of seasons. I need to catch up. There's a, there's a lot on my list to catch up. But I think it's probably the same kind of thing that they were doing when we got Smallville. You, you want to focus your audience's attention on the one that's the most important. Now, it could also be that the Batman stuff is out there and it's successful enough to get a sequel and to get a series and okay fine let's see how this does and yes Gotham was garbage but let's see what this does and it's and it's out here on the periphery on its own thing And there's always the potential to fold it into the DC Universe continuity. Because who knows? Maybe at some point they decide to revamp Brave and the Bold and they put Pattinson's Batman. Maybe they just decide, you know, just whatever, let's just use the same Batman throughout everything. I don't think they will. But. That's the way it goes. So anyway, there we are. I mean, DC Films, DC Universe has a, a pretty tough uphill battle to gain the trust of the audience back. Marvel might be moving in that direction. Maybe. It, it just feels like there are things happening that are indicators, maybe not necessarily strong indicators, but indicators that things are moving back to center. Things are moving back to some semblance of normal, maybe. I mean, Gina Carano is getting invited to a number of different conventions, and yes, 
they're doing the protests. But a lot of people are looking at this and kind of giving the side eye to the protesters like, really? You're still you're still on this? People are people are moving past the drama of the cancel cult. And I think that I don't one, I don't think Disney I don't think Gina's gonna settle on that on that lawsuit. And we'll see about the the other lawsuits that have come to come to bear. Um, Santos might settle. I mean, it's not like there's a whole lot that you could figure from discovery on that one. There's not going to be any landmines or or truth bombs or anything where everybody goes, oh, I'm shocked. That's not the one where we want discovery. We want discovery in Gina's lawsuit. And if Julia Armand's lawsuit goes forward, and if Karen McCarthy's lawsuit goes forward, I want to see discovery there. We want discovery in those lawsuits. Santos, yeah, that's another. It's But see, it's also another opportunity for Tryon Group and Nelson Peltz to sit there and go, see, here's another lawsuit. How many is it going to take? How many lawsuits against the Walt Disney Company do we have to have in order for all of you shareholders to understand that we need new management? You know that's coming. You know Nelson Peltz and Ike Perlmutter and Elon Musk and everybody at Tryon Group, you know, Jay Rasulo, whoever else is, is involved in this thing, you know they have to be sitting there salivating over this. Here's another one. How many more? How many more is it going to take? I don't think Bob Iger can fix it. I don't think Bob Iger can save the Walt Disney Company. I don't. Already done it already. It feels like somebody's trying to, at least in terms of Marvel, it feels like somebody's trying to say, oh, we've got to do something different. I don't know. Cam says, I think the Pitch Your Project segment was pretty good. Hope to see more people come on. I do too. I, wa- I want to I try to make that indie showcase thing a, a, a semi-regular thing so people could come on here and talk about their, their stuff. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a comic book either. It can be a, it can be a role-playing game. It can be a, 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 a video game. It can be a book. It can be a collection of short stories, art, whatever. Um but yeah, we'll we'll do we'll do those again, and I'm hoping that this Friday, uh, like I said earlier, we'll do the Hugo Awards uh, thing tomorrow on the program. David Levine will be here again to talk about his stuff. He's got uh, he's got some some new publications out, and then we will talk to Harry Turtledove on Wednesday. Christopher Rocchio will be here on Thursday. And next week's the end of the month. How how did that happen? <sighs> crazy. It's crazy. Crazy all this stuff. All right. That's going to do it for today. I'm going to head out because my back is still out of whack. And I've got other stuff that I've got to get done to prep the Fan Activity Gazette for Mrs. Boss. So that's coming. Um 
go over and, and look at the National F- Fantasy Fan Federation. Uh, TNFFF.org is where you can find that stuff. In the meantime, over on the social medias, you can find us in various different places, all the different video platforms and whatnot. Connect with us on other places, not just YouTube. Uh, we've got a newsletter, we've got Discord, we've got all these different social media platforms, Pinterest, Gab, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Twixer, whatever it's called, X, Getter, Locals, all these all these different places. Alter, alternate media. So, find us over there. We'll be back tomorrow, same bat time, same bat channel, 1 p.m. Eastern. In the meantime, have a great rest of your day. Remember, the politicians hate you. The media lies to you. But God has a plan for you. And there are four lights. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio, copyright 2024, by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to Sci-Fi For Me Radio.